Hey, we're starting a brand new series today, and uh, we're going to have some fun. Uh, we're starting a series, I'm, I'm calling it Kingdom, Kingdom Multipliers, Kingdom Multipliers. And so uh, I want you to go in your uh, Bible to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. It says this, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now listen to this. And God is able. Those are three of the most powerful words in the entire Bible. God is able. If you have somewhat of a spiritual pulse, and you're sitting here, you're watching, when you say God is able, something should jump inside of you because that means no situation, no circumstance, no problem, no dilemma is too big for God. So God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I'm going to that. It, that's a good scripture right there. That you will, bless, you will be blessed in every good work. Now, this is interesting. If you look at your Bible, verse 8, able in the Greek, there's a Greek word. It actually means this, powerful, capable, mighty, strong, or to have the ability. So this is the God that you serve, one that's strong, and mighty, who has the, you ever looked at a problem and thought, I don't know about that, that one. He, ha, he has the ability to bless you. Now this is another Greek word and it's used throughout the scripture and it means this, to bless, to exceed a fixed number or amount. To exceed, not more than. So not just like get by, this is more than. To, be, to bless, to abound in every good word. Now it's the same Greek word. That it would be more than enough to be left over and above. Or it could mean this, to multiply. To multiply. He has the power to bless us in such a way, to multiply us in, in, in every good work. Now, what is work? Work actually means your business, your employment, or that which one is occupied by. So th this, is what, this is what the scripture is saying, is that God has the ability to bless you more than enough in the things that you do at all times, in all ways, at all places, to, to, to give you, to multiply so that you will abound in your occupation. So you say, well, I, I don't work in occupational ministry. Well, I own a construction company. That's great. And now you can abound in what you do. That, that this is more than enough. God wants to bless you. Now, th th this is the thing is, when, when you read a scripture like this, everybody goes to a certain space mentally. All right? So if you've grown up in church, you're like, oh, we're talking about money today. It's like, that's right. We're talking about money because the Bible talks about money. At this church, we talk about what the Bible talks about. I don't like it when you talk about money. Well, it's in the Bible, so you got to get used to it, okay? Uh, when we talk about money, you have to reframe how you think about money. Because there's a couple reasons or a couple ways that people think about money. One is they have seen money mismanaged or they've seen people use it inappropriately. 
And so they look through a lens of someone's going to do something wrong with it. I can't trust them. Other people, they, they look through this lens of what, I'll just have to say it. It's early on, but I just got to say it. They just look through the lens of selfishness. We're just selfish. We just, we want what we want, and it's ours, and no one else should have it, and we worked hard for it. So we look through the lens of selfishness. Another lens we look through, and, and this is sad, but it's true, is we just don't trust the Word of God. We just don't trust what the Bible says. Because if we trust what the Bible said, we would understand that whoever sows sparingly will also reap. We got, we got all kinds of people mad at God because they've been reaping sparingly. But the Bible made it really clear that the reason you'd be reaping sparingly is because you have sown sparingly. Yeah, I, I have a problem. I don't know if anybody else has this problem. It's mostly a male problem, I've found. So, men, we need to repent. But I can tell you, I have not, I've not gotten over it yet. I, I, don't like to, I don't like to share my food. Feel good to say that? Just felt good to just safe place here. I don't like to share my food. The other day we're out to eat and I ordered something and Jamie's like, oh, I'm glad you got that. I wanted to try that. You're glad I got that. You, you can order too. It's like this. We each are ordering our own. All right? This, this is America. All right? Like you have a menu. Order your own. Why do you got to eat off mine? I don't want people eating mine. I, I have a problem. It's, it's honestly it's selfishness. You know, innately, we're all selfish. Innately, we, that is our sinful nature. It's our default position is that we preserve, we care for, we care about self. But I want you to know this, that generosity is the antidote to selfishness. That living a generous life, even secular studies will show you this, that generous people are happier people. That the happiest people, that outside of church, outside of religion, the happiest people in the world are the people who are committed to a life of generosity. Those are the people that are more satisfied. Those are the people that are more content. But I'm going to tell you this. There is a spiritual law about generosity. And this is why we call it a kingdom multiplier. It's, it's not just like addition. This is multiplication. That if I want to reap generously, then I also have to sow generously. There is a kingdom multiplier, and that multiplier is generosity. You, you know the Bible talks about giving all the time? All throughout your Bible, the Bible talks about giving. In fact, there are about 500 scriptures on prayer and on faith. How many believe those are pretty important things? We should, man, I'm glad those things are in the Bible, prayer and faith. There are over 2,000 scriptures on money, giving, possessions, and generosity. Over 2,000. In fact, the most popular scripture in your Bible, most of you know this, John 3, 16, right? For God so loved the world that he, that he, that he gave. You, you can't look at your Bible and not see generosity. The subject of the Bible is God, and the verb of the Bible is generosity. It's, it's a, the, the action of the word of God is in giving. It's in generosity. God himself is a giver. That's the, re, the reason we're breathing on this earth. The reason that we can worship like we do. The reason we have forgiveness of our sins. The reason we can find life. In, because God in his nature is a giver. 
We in our nature are selfish, but in his nature, he is generous, and he gives generously to each of us. I want to just ask you this question. Are you like God enough to be generous? Are you like God enough to be generous? You cannot give without loving. You can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. You know, anything you love, you give to. You, you, can, look at, you can look at your bank account right now, and you can, say, you can see what you value or what you love. And as I said that, I kind of got convicted because I was just thinking about what my bank account would show. And during this time of the year, it's a lot of Shields and Cabela's, and I just need to, I need to, I got to reprioritize some things. Anyway, your, your bank account is going to show you what you value or what you prioritize. You cannot give, you can give without loving, but you can't love without giving. Everything that you love, you give to. I found this to be true, is that God doesn't give you money. He gives you seeds. Sometimes we think like, man, I just need something I need. You know, the problem for most of us is that we think money is our harvest. But money is not your harvest. Money is your seed. That when God gifts you with something or you earn something, that, friends, is your seed. And for, the, for most of us, the reason that we're always in this place of need, operating a poverty mentality, is because we never understood that my reaping is in direct proportion to my sowing. And we think that we just deserve God's blessing because we came to church today. But, friends, we, we don't deserve anything. I'll tell you what we do deserve, but these people get offended. But we don't, we don't deserve good things. We, we, we deserve, God so loved the world that he gave. Why did he give? So that we would not be separated from God, but that we could come into relationship with God. We don't deserve anything. So as we, as we are given things or entrusted with things, now we have a responsibility on what we're going to do with those things. Wealth must be devoted to serving God, not replacing God. See, see for many of us, it's if we think we get enough, then we won't need this. Or if we get enough, we'll feel this. But whenever you give yourself, give wealth the place of God, it is out of order and it doesn't work. It's why you can find very wealthy people that are still depressed, are still discouraged, are still void of purpose. Can I tell you something? God is not, he does not have a problem with you having resources. God does not have a problem blessing abundantly. God, the, the reason God blesses you is to be a blessing. In fact, the reason that he blesses you with a harvest is so that you can take the harvest and you can take it as seed so that you can sow again. So he can entrust you with little. You're faithful with little. He can entrust you with much. So um, he's given me a seed. I sow the seed. I receive a harvest, right? And I sow again. The problem with most of us is the only reason that we're sowing is so that we get. And then we live off our harvest, we have got to reframe our thoughts about generosity in this. We do not give to get to get. The reason that we give is not so that we receive something. There is always a blessing to giving, but it's not the reason that we give. We give because God's been generous to us. We're generous because everything that we have has been entrusted to us by God. We give not to get, we give to give. Or you can say it this way, we give to give again. 
We give so that we can give again. And when I sow generously, I reap generously, and then I don't retire. I sow again. I sow again. I, I think there's some, some misconceptions uh, about money that I want to just, I want to give you a couple of these misconceptions about money that I think will help you set, for, set you free. I was praying this week, and I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me that today he was going to set people free from the stress of materialism. That literally, some of you, it's like we're talking about some practical things, but spiritually, God's going to break this, this oppressive weight that you have been walking through and carrying because you have made your self-worth comparable to your, to your net worth, and you think that, that how much money you have determines how valuable you are, and friends, it, is, it could not be further from the truth. Is that God has no problem with you having resource. He doesn't want resource to have you. God has no problem blessing you abundantly if you're a good sower. In fact, I found a little secret in the Bible. It says this, God will provide seed to the sower. And then you got all kinds of really churchy people that are like, where's my seed? And God says, where's my sower? Because you wanted seed to put in your 401k. And he wanted you to have seed so that you could build the kingdom. And you're wondering where your seed is, and he's saying, I'm looking for a sower. If you could show yourself faithful to sow, I'll show myself faithful to give you seed. Misconceptions about money. The first one, this is a big one. You ready? The first misconception about money is it's yours. Yeah, that's, that's it. I thought, I thought I'd get that response. It's just, oh, it's It's yours. In, in fact, um, does anybody have a $100 bill? Does anybody have a $100 bill? You got it? Reagan, you got a? All right, Reagan. Give me that $100 bill. This dude, all right. Man, he's in the school ministry. He's rolling hundo. You, how old are you? 21. He's rolling with a hundo at church. Like, all right. The, Reagan, let me ask you a question. Was it difficult to give me your 100 bucks? The reason it wasn't difficult for Reagan to give me that hundred bucks is because I gave this hundred bucks to him before the service. <laughs> the reason it was easy to give, because he never saw it as his. You can, you can have it though. Uh, you, take Cassidy on a date. <laughs> a good date. No more in and out. It's easy to give something that you don't consider as yours. The problem for most of us, it was my hard work, and it was my effort, and it was my. The number one misconception about money that causes stress in people's lives is that it's mine. It is not ours. It's God. He gave you the power to make wealth, and nothing comes to us that has not first come through the hands of God. Second misconception about money. It's your, we mentioned this already, it's your harvest. No, it's not your harvest, it's your seed. When you get paid, some of you are feeling around, I was like, why is there 31 days in October? I need the first to come around quick. Hey, your harv when, when you get paid, it's not your harvest. That's your seed. And what you do with that paycheck determines who you trust. We're not talking about a taste. You can just take a deep breath. We're not talking about the tide today. You know, I talk to people all the time. They're like, yeah, I don't, I don't know if the tithe is for the New Testament church. I love, I love it when they do this. I love it. it. I don't think the tithe is for the New Testament church. I'm like, really, Bible scholar? How's YouTube treating you? Ah, 
Ah, sorry, that's, that's wrong, sir. Um, it, it, and I'm like, really? Why, why don't you believe tithings for the New Testament church? Ah, it's, it's, you can't find it in the New Testament. And I'm like, so you, 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 like, you like, like early church like kind of stuff, right? Yeah, yeah, early church. I like the early church. Man, I'm, I'm a believer in the early church. I'm like, I, like, you like that type of generosity, like early church generosity. Yeah, not the tithe, religious, 10% of the income. I'm like, that's cool. Let's just go with yours. So just go into my Bible, the book of Acts. It says, and all the believers were in one accord, and they sold all their possessions, and they gave to each as they had need. I'm like, I'm in on that. Right, we, 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 we try to use the word as a weapon to justify our selfishness. What you get paid with is not your harvest, it's your seed. When you tithe, you say, God, I trust you. He says, you can keep the 90. I'm going to take the 10. So we don't, we don't give the 10 to God. We return 10 to God. The verbiage matters because if you give it, it's yours. If you return it, it's his. And then you steward the 90%. Did you know you take, be- you take better care of someone else's money than you do your own? I'm, j- I'm just saying like you might go spend something, your own money, it doesn't matter. But someone entrusts you with something, you're like, ah. Oh. I gotta be, I gotta be careful. A misconception about money is it's mine. It's your harvest. A misconception number three about money. Is people think this all the time, misconception about money. God wants it. God wants my money. I just wanna ask you a question. Do you think like when you tithe your little 10%, God's like, whew, it's gonna be tight this month, but thank God they were, or thank myself. I, I can't thank God. He's got like, thank you. I was obedient. Right, it's like all these millennials not tithing, God's stressed. No, God's not stressed. So God doesn't, that's a misconception. God doesn't want your money. What does he want? God wants your heart. Matthew 6, 21 says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God is not after money. God is after heart. And it's sad, but for many of us, our hearts and our money are intertwined. And whenever someone tries to pick out our money, we feel it deeply. Because our treasure is in what we've earned. We think it's ours. We did this in our own strength. Friends, we didn't do it. God gave us the power. I was talking to a guy, and he said, man, you know, I've worked hard for my business. And I'm like, that's great. I'm like, where did you get that work ethic? He said, from my dad. I said, okay, where did your dad get it? Uh, I'm like, you can go as long as you want, but at some point, you're going to come back to a creator. All roads lead back to God. That what we have received have come from him. God is not after money. He's after heart. Let me say this as we begin to close down. Matthew 6, 24 says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So this, this, is what, this is what really churchy Christians do. It drives me crazy. They start posting, right? You can't serve both God and money. God doesn't want you to be blessed. God doesn't. Money is the root of all evil. Now, if you've been one of those, you've got to stop that, okay? Please, because it makes you look like a bad Christian. Because if you read your Bible, it says the love of money is the root of all evil. God has no problem with you having money. 
He has a problem with money taking the throne of your heart. In fact, you should be blessed. You should be a generous sower. God wants to entrust you with resource, not so that you can sit on the throne of your own heart, but so that you can consistently say, God, you've been so good to me. God, you've, you know when he blesses you, he should get the glory. When he blesses you, he should be exalted. Because when we recognize what we have came from him and we give back to him, God says, I'm going to give them some more. I'm going to bless them some more. Did you know you're sitting in a miracle right now? That in a couple hundred people, they believed audaciously to believe and to sow and to give generously so that we could sit in a miracle. But we still have things to do, work to do. We've got people that are dying and going to hell in our streets. We have people that don't even know we exist. They don't even know about the gospel in the Bible Belt. They never even heard the name of Jesus. Friends, we got work to do. But it's going to take the generosity of the people of God that understand that there's kingdom multipliers, that there's something that accelerates the vision of God. And it's when we link arms together and say, let's move this forward. You will either serve God and use money or serve money and use God. The test of who you serve is seen in how you or who you obey. This is, this is, this is crazy, but it's, it's so true, is that for many of us, we don't always obey the Lord. We like to think that we do, but we don't really obey the Lord. We obey when it benefits us. But generosity is getting in line with the heart of God and recognizing I'm not an owner, I'm a steward. And if God's blessed me, then he blessed me so that I can be a blessing. I, I, I want to give you as we close five, five little thoughts. Five little thoughts. Some of you are like, is this the beginning of the message? No, this is the end. Five thoughts on how to develop a generous heart. How to develop a generous heart. Number one is this. If you're going to foster a heart of generosity, you have to know, and we talked about this already, He, capital H, God, owns it all. That everything we have, we are stewards of. Everything we have, everything we will have, belongs to and has come from God. We are stewards of what God has given us. We don't own any of it. I'm going to tell you, it's a little bit less stressful when the stock market plummets, if you're just a steward, God, your stocks are looking bad. You better do something about this. It's like, I'm just stewarding it, you know? I'm just watching it. I have to understand he owns it all. He is not a God of lack. He's a God of abundance. He's not a, lack, a God of just enough. He's a God of more than enough. He owns it all. Number two, every day is an opportunity. If you catch this, this could change the entire demeanor of your life. That every single day is an opportunity to bless someone. Every day is an opportunity to wake up and say, how am I going to bless somebody? John Maxwell, he says this. He says every morning before he gets up out of bed, he says to himself, he says, how am I going to bless someone today? When he lays down in bed, he asks himself this question, which if it's anybody else, I wouldn't believe that he actually did this, but I actually believe John Maxwell might do this. He says every night he lays in bed, because he probably goes to bed at the exact same minute, the exact same day, the exact same position. <laughs> and he says, how did I bless someone else today? When we talk about generosity, it is not just money. 
And it's not just tithe. It's a way you live your life. It's, it's, it's going to get food after service today and recognizing that your waitress is having a difficult time and sliding them a $100 bill and just saying, hey, God loves you. We felt led to bless you. It's living generously. Well, I, don't, I think someone should slip me $100. Those who spare so sparingly. See, stingy people are always stingy. And they stay stingy. Well, yeah, if I made more, I'd be more generous. Not true. You're stingy because you've never sown generously. And some of you need to do something outlandish and just say, I'm going to bless somebody. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm, I'm just going to. We were able to, as a staff, we were able to give one of our pastors, as a church, we gave one of our pastors a car this year. They had one car that had 220,000 miles on it. He had it since he was in college. And, and, and we were able to bless him. Do you know? It's just outlandish, like, whoa, oh my goodness, like, ah, here we go. We, we've been able at the Dream Center to bless people, and, and it's, it's just sometimes it feels, oh, that's a lot, because I, I'm a practical strategist. So this is what I think about sometimes, like, if I give to somebody in need, like, why are they in need? Like, if they would have managed their money better, maybe they wouldn't be in need. Now, I managed my money well, I gave them my, oh, I'm the only one, okay. You are, you're all very spiritual. It's incredible. It's incredible. I feel alone. I just think practically sometimes. But did you know my job is not to be the attitude of the recipient? That my job is just to be a generous life that gives? I'm just supposed to be a conduit of the blessing of God? He owns it all, and every day is an opportunity Thirdly, action is required. A lot of people want to be generous. Every January we make our New Year's resolutions and you pull out your budget that you haven't used since last February when you broke the other. Anyways, could just be a personal story. And you, you, you realize that you have to take action. See, generosity is not something that you, you do when you're ready. Generosity is something that you do to be obedient. And as you do it, your obedience unlocks the presence of God. It unlocks. There's been times when God's asked Jamie and I to do really crazy things generously, personally, like pay for this, do this, give this amount of money. And we're like, oh my goodness, I don't know. I don't know if we, and you know what? God never blesses us so that we can bless. It's always the obedience and like, ah, Wow. Hope the washer doesn't break down this month. And then God blesses. It's the obedience. Every day is an opportunity. Action is required. Number four, remember your blessings. Nothing fuels generosity more than realizing how blessed you are. We are so blessed. I can't really think of any blessings. You need to count differently. Right now we're sitting in an air-conditioned building. Right now we're using an amplification system. Right now you're breathing clear oxygen. Right? I mean, there, there's a lot of things. You, you drove here. You and your wife drove separately because you have two cars. You're blessed. You lost your kids in your seven-bedroom house. You, you're, you're blessed. I know it's tight because you should have bought a four-bedroom house and you bought the seven-bedroom house because that's, that's, another, that's another sermon. That's another sermon. That's another sermon. That's that spirit materialism we're going to break off in a second. The last one is thank God. Gratitude is the fuel 
of generosity. When I think about what God's done for me, I'm telling you, I want to bless somebody. And I'm going to tell you this, I'm not perfect in this. I get selfish over my food, but I get selfish in my heart sometimes. Just a couple weeks ago, about a month ago, I was in my office and I was praying, and I just had some stress financially. I was just feeling it, like, ooh, okay, we got some things going, a lot of things moving. God, how is this going to come through? And I started taking it on myself. You know how you do that? So I started strategizing how I'm going to do this and move this and, and all, all this. And, and then I started feeling selfishness creep in. Just like, oh man, like why? Uh, uh. I'm like, oh no. And I've been in this long enough. I'm gonna tell you the time I did it right. I'm not gonna tell you the times I did it wrong, okay? I've done it wrong a long time, but this time I recognized I know how to break this selfishness. Literally, I pulled up out my phone and I opened Cash App and I started sending people money. And I said, I'm just gonna keep on sending money until either I'm broke. <laughs> didn't, didn't take very long, actually. <laughs> Or until my attitude changes. And some, some, of, y'all got, some of y'all got the cash out. That was, that was me having a bad day. Okay, You're like, wow, that was my good day. Yeah, well, you're welcome. Hopefully it doesn't happen again. It, I started, ca- you know what? My attitude began to change real quick. One, because I wanted to save my money. And two, because when you operate in the opposite spirit, it breaks the spirit of materialism. So I just said, I'm going to bless people. Hey, take your wife out to dinner. Here's some money. Hey, here's, this. here's $7. Go to McDonald's. I, 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 started sending, I started sending money to bless people. Why? Because I needed an attitude readjustment. And your pastor was starting to creep into some selfishness, and I got to break that thing because I am not called to be a hoarder. I'm called to be a conduit. I want to be the conduit of God's blessing in his gifts in my life, in his money, resources in my life, in my time, the hours of my, everything I wanted to flow through me freely to be a blessing to others. What would happen if in a church that we all came with the attitude, not what I can get and not God, when will you, when will you provide, but God, thank you for everything you've given me and open my eyes so that I can live generously with the gospel and when I can give, live generously with my resources, with my gifts and everything that you've entrusted me with. I want you to stand with me all across this place. We got another service that's gonna be coming in in just a second, but I want you to get this. I, I think these things are really cheesy, but... Back in the 90s, it was really big. In youth ministry, you couldn't have a youth name without it being an acronym, right? Without it spelling something. And I was reading this book, The Generosity Factor, and this guy, he, he, he listed these things to remember to foster a heart of generosity. He, he, H, owns it all. Every day is an opportunity. Action is required. Remember your blessings. Thank God. Anybody do crossword puzzles? What is it? Heart. Heart. If you want to foster a heart of generosity, it's not just forcing yourself to give. It's this. It's surrendering your whole heart to God. The most generous people I've seen are people with a heart that is completely surrendered to God. You know what I tell the young people all the time? I tell tell our college students, this is a God hack. Okay? I have have a God hack. You want a God hack? This is a God hack. If you don't want God to ask something from you, give it to him first. Because everything that you keep like this, God's going to be like, what's that? What's that? Why? Because God wants my money. No, that was the misconception. Because God wants your heart. And anything you don't, ask Abraham. What did God want? Did God want Isaac? No. 
God wanted Abraham's heart. And because Abraham was hiding Isaac, he says, give me Isaac. Sacrifice Isaac. Abraham's like, all right, you can have him. And now God says, I can see that you won't even hold your own son from me. I have your heart. You know what God's after? God's after your heart. Why is he after your heart? Did you know you will never be satisfied in this world? You will never be fulfilled in this world until he has your heart. An idol can't give it. Wealth can't give it. Possessions can't give it. Popularity can't give it. Resources can't give it. Only when I surrender it to him can I truly enjoy the satisfaction that he can bring to each and every one of our lives.